Today's episode is sponsored by an upcoming movie called If. We don't go to the theater a lot as a family, mostly because it's tough to find a movie we're all going to like, but If is one of those movies. It comes out in theaters May 17th. I saw the trailer the other day, and we ended up watching the trailer multiple times to check out all the different imaginary friends that are in it. Some of them are what you would think an imaginary friend would be like, a nice-looking monster, kind of. But other ones are so random, like this one that's a knight and one's a dragon and one is just a banana. And it gets wilder, too, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. The movie is about this girl who can see imaginary friends, and she goes on this magical adventure to reconnect forgotten imaginary friends with their kids. I know me and my kids are going to enjoy going to the theater for this one, and the cast has tons of our favorite performers like Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph, Matt Damon, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt. John Krasinski wrote the movie inspired by his own kids' imagination to be funny and exciting for all ages. It looks like a real slam dunk. The movie If releases in theaters May 17th, and we are totally going, so check it out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kids Stories Podcast. I'm Phil Bechtel, and here's a joke from Miles. Hi, I'm Miles Nelkin, and I'm eight years old and live in Pacifica, California, and I have a joke that I think would be great and appropriate for the Kids Stories Podcast. What's a fart's favorite food? Asparagus, since farts are a gas. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I do. (laughs) asparagus that's hilarious miles thanks for that joke and thanks for listening today's episode is sponsored by the adventure challenge the adventure challenge is a book we use when we want to come together and do something fun as a family when we're out of ideas and we need a break from our screens we can grab our adventure challenge book for something fun and new check out theadventurechallenge.com and use promo code kid stories for a discount on your own adventure book Now on to some shout-outs. You may have heard in the news that the city of Edmonton, up in Canada, was beset upon by a small army of Gloop soldiers. It was a grisly scene until a young Timothy Rose entered the battle. Timmy defended his hometown of Edmonton with his epic ninja skills and saved everyone. To express their thanks, the city of Edmonton built a huge 50-foot-tall invisible statue of Timmy and stuck it right in the middle of Victoria Park. Thanks for keeping Edmonton safe, Timmy, and thanks for those awesome drawings. Again in the news is a town called Poole, on the south coast of England, where some members of the Red Cloak Wizard tribe tried to steal some ancient artifacts from the Poole Museum. Luckily, a young lady named Caitlin tracked the thieves to nearby Brown Sea Island, where followed an epic battle. It was close, but Caitlin used her teleporting magic to great effect and drove the evil Red Cloaks off. Thanks, Caitlin. You're awesome. Listener Arlo patrols the beaches of Byron Bay, Australia, keeping the beachgoers safe from all those rude boy lobster attacks. They say Australia has some dangerous wildlife, but with Arlo and his team of laser dolphins, we can all rest easy. And thanks for that artwork, Arlo. Alice from Kansas City helps out at the Kansas City Zoo because in addition to English, she also speaks tortoise, fox, rhino, elephant, capybara, snake, cockatiel, and chimpanzee. Alice recently sorted out a situation in which the zookeepers thought the animals were trying to fight each other, 
but really they were just trying to throw a birthday party for a super old Aldabra tortoise who was turning 112. Thanks for your drawing, Alice. It's awesome. Louisa Johnson made an actual replica of the boat used in Stella's journey, and now all she needs to do is brew up some bigifying powder to blow that ship up to life size and travel the world with it. You're a great maker and artist, Louisa. Thanks for sharing your work. Today's story is titled A Weekend at Hooper's, and it takes place in a small town in the valley at a well-known coffee shop called Hooper's Goofballs. Mr. Hooper was leaving town for the weekend. He couldn't just close up the shop, though. He needed to find someone to run the place while he was away. Luckily, Hooper had some grandchildren who were old enough to take care of the place for a few days. Atlas and Lily were still kids, but they were responsible, and Mr. Hooper was sure they would enjoy looking after the shop for the weekend. The kids packed their bags and made the day's journey to their grandpa's place. They were excited at the idea of being in charge for the weekend. They always loved visiting their grandpa Hooper, and he had taught them how to make goofballs so many times they had the recipe memorized. How much longer? asked Lily as they walked along the road. It should be just over this hill, said Atlas, only a bit more. Do you think it'll be busy this weekend? Nah, said Lily. Grandpa said it'll be pretty slow. Honestly, I think we'll end up getting a bit bored. Not really an adventurous weekend looking after a small-town coffee shop. And eventually the two made it into town. The bells jingled when they entered the shop, and old Mr. Hooper came out from the kitchen. My little ones, it's so good to see you. Mr. Hooper leaned down and scooped Atlas and Lily up in a big hug. Are you ready to take over the shop for the next couple days? Totally, said Atlas. We're pretty excited about it, said Lily. Great. Come on back to the kitchen and I'll go over some things you need to remember, said Grandpa Hooper. The three went back into the kitchen where the kids reviewed the recipes they knew so well. Grandpa Hooper showed them his daily checklist, all the things he remembered to take care of in a day at the coffee shop, where the keys were, all the light switches, how to make the coffee, where all the ingredients were kept. It was a lot to remember, but Atlas and Lily already knew much of it. In their time visiting their grandpa, helping out at the shop was one of their favorite things to do. Soon it was time for Grandpa Hooper to leave. Well, you two, I'd love to stick around and hang out with you all weekend, but it's time for me to go. I'll be at the coffee shop conference in Cliffside City if you need me. And if there are any emergencies, just ask one of the townspeople to help or call the ninjas. Love you too. Love you, Grandpa Hooper, said the kids. Grandpa Hooper left and soon the shop went quiet. The goofballs were made. The coffee and tea was prepped. The kids sat at the table out front enjoying the peace and waiting for the day's first customers. Grandpa Hooper was right. It was a pretty slow day. A few customers wandered in, but mostly it was another lazy Friday at Hooper's Goofballs. Eventually, it was time for them to close up shop. Atlas and Lily reviewed the checklist that Grandpa had left for them, making sure to turn out all the lights and lock the doors. They both went upstairs for a good night's sleep, eager to wake up and prepare for the Sunday morning crowd. They woke the next morning ready for a full day of coffee shop work. All right, how about you start the coffee and I'll prep the ingredients for some fresh goofballs, said Atlas as they entered the shop. Sounds good, said Lily. The two walked back into the kitchen to find the place 
an absolute wreck. Ingredients from the pantry were strewn all about the kitchen. Flour, powdered sugar, oatmeal. The packages had been ripped open, and the food covered the floor and the tables and the counters. What? This is awful, said Atlas. What happened here? The kids stood still and took a moment to just look everything over. They couldn't believe that someone would trash the place like this. It was unheard of in these parts. Before we clean up, we should look for clues, said Lily. Something about this smells fishy. Well, not literally. It actually smells delicious, but you get it. Atlas agreed, and they began carefully examining the area, looking for anything that would give them an idea of what made this awful mess in the kitchen. A while later, they stopped looking around to share their observations. All right, began Atlas, reading from his notebook. Here's what we know. There are scratch marks on things, scratches near the door handles and on the drawers. I also noticed, said Lily, that the packages of food seem to have been ripped open with something sharp, like a knife or claws, maybe. Maybe, agreed Atlas. Also, the back door was how they got in. It seems like something sharp was jammed in the lock to break it. But the big question is why, said Lily. Why would someone break into our kitchen just to make a mess? For the chocolate, said Atlas. It's the only thing that's missing. They didn't even try to get into the safe. But they sure took all the chocolate. What? No chocolate? How are we supposed to run the shop with no chocolate, Atlas? Said Lily, beginning to panic. Oh, no. The shop, said Atlas. We forgot to open the shop. Lily and Atlas ran to the front of Hooper's Goofball's coffee shop to find a line of customers outside waiting for their Saturday morning coffee and pastry. The two got the coffee going and whipped up some pastries, and soon the front of the shop was occupied by a number of loyal customers enjoying a leisurely Saturday morning. Once Lily and Atlas had a break, they sat at a table to discuss their next move. So what do we do about all this? asked Lily. We can't make goofballs without chocolate, and what if... Whatever it is comes back tonight to steal something else. Well, we could call the ninjas and see what they say, suggested Atlas. But then they'd call Grandpa and he'd come back early from his conference. Well, l let's just check out back later and see if we can find a trail of footprints or claw prints or whatever, said Lily. Maybe we can just figure this out ourselves. Atlas agreed, and later on the two went out back to investigate. They walked through the kitchen which was still a mess, to the back door of the restaurant. They began their investigation at the back door where scratches scored the wood all around the door handle. There wasn't anything but grassland behind Hooper's goofballs. The town was so small that there wasn't much but a strip of Main Street. Atlas and Lily didn't need to do much detective work to see the obvious trail through the thick grass. You know, said Atlas, Whoever took the chocolate didn't seem to care about being followed. I don't think it's a whoever, said Lily. I think it's a whatever. The two coffee shop detectives found prints about the size of a small dog, but with more pronounced claw marks at the end of each toe. They followed the prints until they reached a small cave entrance in the side of a hill. They turned and could still see the coffee shop in the distance. The opening to the cave was obscured by overgrown vines and tall grasses and Atlas pulled off the thick green plants until they could see into the opening. There were planks of wood, leaning against the entrance and on the ground as if the place were once boarded up, 
but time and weather had battered the wood and it lay in shambles on the ground. One of the boards had writing on it. It read, Abandon Mine. Atlas and Lily noticed this at the same time. Seriously, said Lily, we get invited to take over the shop for an entire weekend just in time for some creature to crawl out of an old abandoned mine and steal all the chocolate from the kitchen storeroom. This is ridiculous. I agree, said Atlas, but it looks like a great way to spice up the weekend, right? Recovering the stolen chocolate from some unknown beast? Sounds like quite an adventure. Let's at least check it out. A part of Lily really did want to go into the abandoned mine. Her and Atlas welcome adventure, and this suddenly seemed like it could be a really great journey. It's getting dark, said Lily. What better time to explore an old abandoned mine than at night, said Atlas, joking. Let's just run back to the shop and grab some flashlights and other stuff. Lily and Atlas went back to the shop and rushed around, packing up a couple of adventure bags. By the time they returned to the entrance of the old abandoned mine, it was dark. The moon shone bright on the kids as they pulled their flashlights from their backpacks. They pointed the flashlights into the darkness of the cave to reveal, well, you know, the inside of a cave, stone walls and ceiling and not much else. They could see down the tunnel a bit where it curved and, and that was it. The animal tracks that they followed earlier were here as well, imprinted into the dirt. Atlas noticed something. It looks like there's more than one, uh, whatever it is, he said. There are tracks all over this place. Well, that's good to know, said Lily. The two continued through the tunnel, following the tracks. The caves were completely dark. No torches on the walls here. It was pitch black. Every once in a while, they'd stop and listen. And each time, they heard nothing at all. A silence so complete, it was scary. And then, after they had been walking for some time, Atlas and Lily heard the sound of water. It was the gentle rippling sound of an underground stream. They walked slower now, trying to listen for anything else. They saw light up ahead. Not the yellow flickering light of a fire, but the white steady light of the moon. There must be an opening in the ceiling somewhere up ahead, said Atlas some place where light and water are getting into the cave. They continued walking toward the light and began hearing voices. Little, tiny voices. Squeaking and growling and grunting and laughing. Atlas and Lily turned off their flashlights and slowly crept through the tunnel. They finally reached a large open space with multiple tunnels branching off from it. By peeking their heads around the corner, they were able to see what was making these tiny little voices. Small bears were dancing around the room in the moonlight. They looked like living teddy bears, except their paws featured sharp claws and their mouths were full of sharp teeth. Their claws scratched and scritched on the cave floor as they spun and leaped around. Empty cans of chocolate littered the floor. Atlas and Lily looked harder at the little creatures and noticed that chocolate covered their fur. Their paws were dripping, and they were licking it off their claws. Some were dipping their paws into the few cans of chocolate that weren't already empty. Atlas turned to Lily and said, These little bears are having a chocolate party. 
with our chocolate, added Lily. And as she leaned forward to get a better look, she dropped her flashlight. In the quiet cave, with only the sounds of bears dancing and singing and gently running water, it made an awful clatter. The bears stopped dancing and singing. They all turned and looked in the direction of the noise. Atlas and Lily tried to lean back around the corner before being seen, but they weren't quick enough. The bears saw them, and now in the moonlight their teeth and claws appeared deadly sharp. Sure, they were the size of teddy bears, and they looked pretty cute, but as their eyes narrowed and they bared their teeth in anger, Atlas and Lily considered that perhaps they were in over their heads. The bears rushed the two explorers, their claws scratching on the stone floor and their growls echoing in the tunnels. Run, said Atlas, and he and Lily turned around and raced through the cave back the way they came. The bears were at their heels, and Atlas knew they weren't going to be able to keep this pace until they reached the entrance of the abandoned mine. Lily, Atlas said, already out of breath, we can't keep this up the entire way. It's too far. Lily and Atlas both turned and looked over their shoulders, and sure enough, those evil little cave bears were right at their heels slashing with their claws and growling through gritted teeth. The two explorers now wished they had contacted the ninjas about their little problem, and as they raced through the dark tunnels they wondered how they were going to get out of this mess. Already Atlas and Lily's lungs were burning, and they weren't even halfway through the tunnels. Atlas was right when he said they'd never make it, and these angry little cave bears chasing them didn't seem to get tired at all. The kids were going to have to come up with a plan if they expected to get out of this. The end. Thanks for listening, everyone. Before I sign off, I want to mention some quick shout-outs. Sonnet Burke from Detroit, Michigan is a very active artist, and she has shared so many of her amazing works with us. Thank you for sharing your drawings, Sonnet. You're awesome. Micah Robinson shared some great ideas about some episodes featuring dinosaurs. Thanks for that, Micah. You're awesome. Mava Porter is a big fan with a lot of great questions. Thanks for listening, Mava. You're awesome. And Judah, Emmy, Maggie, and Luis from Montana are big fans of the show. Thanks for listening, you four. Adios, everyone.